Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn to the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. In a matter of minutes, we'll be joined by Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan in Indy talking all things Colts as we continue to prepare and see what kind of team the Raiders should expect to see on the field at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. Of course, you can hear that game kicking off at 1 o'clock, right after 1 o'clock here on Raider Nation Radio 920. But throwing out the question, though, to you, what, at what point in this season did you feel and feel like it started to get away? Like, okay, you know what? Things aren't quite right. They're not what I expected. Starting to get away from the silver and black. Got a lot of text messages. I know we got some very patient callers as well. 69187, keyword R&R, Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q&D, it all started when we couldn't stop Derrick Henry in the first half of the Tennessee game. We ended up losing. I knew we had problems with the 0-3 record after that game. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Uh, also a text from the 408. Biggest red flag that season was done was when we made the Texans quarterback look like a superstar even though we won that game. Really good text. Both of those from Sir Whiskey Ray and the text from the 408. I'll tell you that, that Davis Mills game that did have a little bit of whoa whoa <laughs> you know especially since the Texans were winning in the fourth quarter and then the Raiders went on their run and really uh, to my to my fault my, my bad uh, that, that fourth quarter run 21 nothing they put up in the fourth quarter that made me believe they got it. Boom, it's clicking. They figured it out. Now this is who this team's going to be. And I thought that they were having that opportunity that DeMond mentioned earlier to now go on a run. Now, obviously that did not happen, but that's where I thought that they were all of a sudden figuring things out. Uh, let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our guy, Jared, here in Vegas. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's going on, Q? Um, you know what? I have a serious question to pose. When did the season get on track? Well, <laughs> and it, yeah, exactly. I mean, clearly, so clearly, me, it hasn't, it hasn't got on track. But I, I'm right, <laughs> so I'm still waiting, bro. I'm, I'm still waiting for it to get on track. But, but where I really felt like we, we had problems, where I really felt like it, it, it was looking really bad, is when we had multiple chances to take down Kansas City, and we looked like, um, you know, bumbling idiots to say the least, as they crash into each other and the ball sails over Devontae's head and we fail miserably against a rival that we cannot lose to. So uh, I'm still waiting for it to get on track, honestly. Right. I got you. Good good stuff. So the Kansas City game, the way it, the way it, uh, it all shook out is, is when it fell off the rails. And, I mean, it doesn't – it didn't necessarily have to get on the tracks first to fall off the tracks. It was just like, okay, you're like you said, you're waiting for it to get started. But then all of a sudden when you hit a certain point, and that's what I'm really asking. When you hit that certain point, like, whoa, there could be trouble. Because you can start off 0-1. You can start off 0-2. Hell, you can start off 0-3 and still bounce back and still have a good team and, and, and go out there and play well. But the problem is, for the Raiders, they just never they never got that going, like you said. But there had to be a point where you're like, oh, man, there's real trouble there. And for you, it was the Kansas City game. We'll take one more call, and then we'll get to Kevin Bowen from 107.75 The Fan. Uh, let's talk to TR and Indy. That's a good one to get to. TR, what's on your mind oh man i think i was believing until this jaguars game in i just the coaching staff's inability to adjust from game to game and then adjust at halftime i you know heard mark davis say that's why he brought mcdaniels in was his ability to adjust mid-game and i'm just not seeing it so i've kind of lost hope at this point but it sucks for me because i'm getting ready to come out there to see this Colts game <laughs> and taking my dad to his first game ever nice uh, 
You know, he's never been on a plane in his life. Coming out of my pockets for this game, I was kind of thinking we'd be in a wild card run versus the Colts now. But, man, oh, man, that is not the case. Right. Uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, I'm excited to see you, man. Show up at the torch, shake hands to everybody, enjoy the history of the Raiders while I'm out there. But I don't know there's much forward to look forward to the actual game itself. All right. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Definitely appreciate it. And uh, can't wait till you get out to Allegiant Stadium. And the one thing I'll say, even though it's been a disappointing season, I say it all the time, if you're going to come out to the game and, and you're taking it to your pops to the first game ever, that's awesome. That really is. Enjoy that game. Soak it in. Get in there early. Come to the torch. Take a bunch of pictures. Meet the voice of the Silver and Black, Jason Horowitz. Uh, meet JT the Brick. Meet Eric Allen. That's one thing. I mean, like, I'll sit there and I'll, I'll politic and I'll talk with people all day long. Like, I really will. I know Richard Seymour, he's going to be lighting the torch. There's going to be an opportunity for us to uh, have a little meet and greet with Richard Seymour as well. Uh, look, that's all great, but Eric Allen is so cool, and Eric Allen should be in the Hall of Fame. He is a guy that, while he's doing the pregame show, every time that JT and him go to break, uh, anyone who wants to go over there and say hi to him or take a picture you know, with him, he'll do it. As long as he has time, he'll do it, right? I mean, he's just so cool and down to earth, and so a lot of people – won't you won't get an opportunity to see Eric Allen all the time? So uh, when you do that, uh, and then whoever they have at their at their set as well, they always have a big time guest or two. So uh, that's a great place to hang out. But enjoy the stadium. Take your pops around the whole stadium and uh, make sure he soaks that in on Sunday. So uh, thank you, TR, for that call. Make sure you have safe travels as well. Speaking of Indy, let's go out to Indy right now. 107.5, the fam, my man Kevin Bowen joins us now on the phone lines. And, Kevin, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I appreciate you. As There's plenty of crazy things going on here in Vegas. I, I foolishly said earlier in the week that the Raiders have no business losing this game to the Colts because everything that is going on there, starting with the announcement of Jeff Saturday being the head coach. Now that a few days has actually passed by and practice is going on and media sessions are happening, does it feel a little bit closer to normal now? Uh, to be totally honest, probably not. Um, yeah, it does feel like it's kind of the, uh, the two soap opera teams playing on, uh, on Sunday in Vegas right now. Um, it's still wild. I mean, Jeff Saturday has coached three years of high school football and all of a sudden he's going to be out there and He's going to be coaching this football team. And two weeks ago, they were a game back in the Titans and playing Tennessee. And Matt Ryan was their quarterback. And Marcus Brady was their offensive coordinator. And Frank Reich is their head coach. And now it's Sam Ellinger and Jeff Saturday. And the, uh, the uh, play caller on Sunday is a guy named Parker Frazier, who's never called plays in his life. So <laughs> it's quite the drastic turn. Um, if you had told me this at the start of October, I would have said, uh, what are you um, – you know, potentially smoking, but right. here we are. And uh, that's the reality of the Colts right now. Yeah, no, it's bizarre, and, and two teams that had high expectations going into the season, both are severely uh, underachieving. So uh, how did this whole thing with Jeff Saturday come together? My understanding, as I was reading some of your work and some of the, the work of the folks at 107.5 The Fan, is that, you know, Ursay really started to make the call on Sunday during the, the Patriots' loss. Yeah, kind of wild. Um, Jeff Saturday's always been kind of a close confidant to Jim Mersey and has done some consulting for the team here over the past couple of years. And yeah, called him literally during the game, which I can only imagine what that call was like as <laughs> Sam Ellinger is getting sacked nine times against the Patriots uh, and basically said to him, uh, what the hell is going on right now? I'm the interim head coach. So it's crazy how it all unfolded. Jeff Saturday, you know, played under Frank Reich. I mean, Frank was one of the assistants for him back in the day. So uh, just a wild 48-hour 
What has been the biggest takeaway or what was the biggest takeaway from Saturday's presser? And, and I know that Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator, seemed like he was pretty fired up. But what was your biggest takeaway from what Saturday had to say to the media? You know, I, I do think he's a very different leader than Frank Wright, um, just from a personality standpoint, an energy standpoint. Uh, I think there's an intensity level and, I mean, honestly, just kind of a volume le- level. Frank Wright's a pretty subdued individual. Uh, Jeff Saturday is former offensive lineman, so he's used to, I think, yelling, former center, so he used to obviously making some calls. I think everybody's seen the clip between him and Peyton Manning, two good friends, but mm-hmm. two guys that, I think held each other pretty accountable. And I'm not sure if there's a whole lot of guys in their NFL career that felt like they could do that to Peyton, but Saturday is one of those guys. Um, You know, it's similar to Reich, I guess. They also kind of came up through the ranks, you know, undrafted free agent, certainly did not look like he'd have an NFL career, even North Carolina, and then turned it into, you know, borderline Hall of Fame career. So I do think from an energy level standpoint, it's a much different type of leader voice. And if you look at the Colts results, um, you know, I know it's hard to say, but, the results would indicate that, you know, the message was getting a bit stale. Um, the Colts haven't had a halftime lead in 11 games. They haven't scored on opening drive all season long. You know, some sort of sense of urgency is clearly lacking right now. And, you know, we'll see if a little bit of a different message and, um, again, a different style of leader uh, leads to anything. Talking all things Colts right now with Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan. And uh, Indy talking all things Colts again here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So what, what do you expect that team to look like when they come out of the tunnel on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium? I know Jeff Saturday. I don't know what kind of coach he's going to be, but I know he can get some guys fired up. So what are your expectations just for when they come running out that tunnel? Well, certainly. I mean, you would hope that they would come out <laughs> and play better than they did last week. I mean, last week they scored three points. Um, they have their fewest yards per attempt in the or yards per play in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. That dates back to 1984. Um, but I, I mean, Jeff Saturday can only do so much. You know, I, I don't, right. I don't think pregame speeches, you know, win you NFL games. So um, at the end of the day, this team's got to execute better. They got to protect better. Their offensive line, the highest paid group of the NFL, has been absolutely awful this season. Uh, the quarterback play has struggled. So it will be Sam Ellinger again getting his third start and kind of the wild nature of all of that. The guys had three offensive coordinators and three NFL starts. Wow. I um, can't imagine too many people have had that in their NFL career. So um, again, it's a team that you can change the leader, you can change the voice, but the results have indicated it's a football team that hasn't led very often this season. Um, the one time they had a, you know, kind of a couple score lead a few weeks back, they lost the commanders at home. Um, so I think unlike the Raiders, I know the Raiders have a worse record, but the Raiders had stretches where they built, you know, big leads and right. they have had these one possession games late. The Colts, you know, they got blown out outside of again last week and then early in the season with Jacksonville, but they haven't led very often. So um, I, I think you could make the argument that certainly the Raiders have played I've had more stretches of better competent football than the Colts have had this year. You know, it's wild. We always talk about Derek Carr and all the different coaches he's had and all the different offensive coordinators. You just mentioned Sam Ellinger has had three different offensive coordinators in three different games. Like, when has that ever heard of? I don't think that's ever happened in NFL history. But, Kevin, he's got a relationship with Parks Frazier, apparently. Apparently, they're kind of close, and Parks is going to be calling the plays from the from the, uh, from the the press box. So, what is that? Or not the press box, but the booth. What is that? Uh, what, does that bring a, an advantage for Parks that he's going to be kind of hovering above everything and being able to get a good eye of what's going on on the field? Yeah, I mean, it is different than how they usually operated. You know, Frank Reich is the head coach, is the play caller, and he was on the field. Before, you know, he is the head coach, so... You expect that. Um, so, yeah, it, it is different. I, I do think that, you know, part of the process that this staff did like is that, yes, Ellinger 
and Mark Frazier do have a relationship that dates back really to Ellinger's, you know, early start and his NFL career last April. Um, so I do think that is something that's there. Uh, but still, again, he's never called play. He's never been a position coach. So right. uh, there's going to be certainly some unknown. And you'll be curious as pretty snap how those things get handled and just the end game adjustments that, you know, every play caller and every offense coordinator deals with. So as far as the the play calling, I know we have no idea what Park Frazier is going to do because he's never done it, as you mentioned, but he was pretty close with Frank Reich. So do you expect it to look somewhat similar to what Frank was doing, obviously with a few tweaks here and there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's only so much that you can totally overhaul. Um, you know, talking to Parsons, hey, like they got to get Sam into a better rhythm. You know, I think one thing you'll notice with Sam is he is a guy that can get out of the pocket, make some plays. I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson in the open field, but he certainly can keep some things alive. And I felt like they struggled with that last week, um, moving the pocket. Again, creating some opportunities for him um, to improvise a bit. So I would think that is something you would want to tap into. Uh, you know, Parks mentioned earlier today, again, getting him into an earlier rhythm better. Uh, he's not a guy that has some big arm down the field. So I think some of those simpler throws, I'm just trying to establish you know, that early sort of consistency, more of a methodical passing game. Um, I think that is something that you have to try and tap into. Yeah, we're talking with Kevin Bowen right now, talking all things Colts here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And let's say, Roughness, just got a couple more questions for you. As far as the defense goes, Gus Bradley, I mean, that, that unit is doing really well. I mean, if there's one thing about the Colts that is going good, that's that defense. Uh, why has it been able to stay together and, and click so well, even though the rest of the team has struggled? Yeah, I, I would start with the defensive tackle pairing. It's one of the best in the league. Grover Stewart's a great run stopper, not just a space eater, really disruptive in there. Um, of course, Buckner next to him is probably a little bit more of a disruptive guy on passing downs. Um, you know, played for the 49ers for, for a while. So that pairing has been really, really impressive. And again, they just overall been a pretty solid group. They don't turn the ball over a ton, force a ton of turnovers. They haven't been a big sack unit either, but they've just played pretty sound, solid defense. Now, to be fair, and I honestly think this, even with just Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, I, I, that might be the best group they've played outside Kansas City all year. It's not like they've been tested too, too much in their schedule this season. Um, so I think that is something that you certainly have to keep an eye on. Of Yes, the numbers are good, but at the same time, I think from a skilled group, Adams will certainly be the best wideout they've seen, um, besides Terry McLaurin, I guess, and Jacobs will definitely be the best running back. So now with no Darren Waller for sure, no Hunter Renfro for sure, how do you think that Gus Bradley tries to to defend, uh, you know, Devontae Adams and slow him down a little bit? Well, I think Stephon Gilmore will probably get a big, big part of that, you know, whether it is man coverage or how they end up handling that. I think that's something to certainly keep an eye on. But you got to give some safety help as well. I think it's something that, that the Colts will need to do. Um, again, Adams is a guy that I don't need to remind anybody what, what he can do. So Gilmore will get some one-on-one opportunities, but um, I think considering the injuries and, again, Waller and Renfro status, um, the Colts would be foolish if they didn't have some double teams for him. I agree. It should be interesting to see what we see on that field at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday between these two teams. Final question for you. Unique Ngakwe, he was fired up when uh, he was traded to the Colts. He said he was going to make the Raiders prove or show that they uh, made a mistake in, in trading him. Uh, what has his edge been like? What has his vibe been like this week at practice? Yeah, I mean, I, I think fans that know Ngakwe are a pretty wired individual. Um, he, he's a guy that I don't think needs a ton of you know extra motivation to be ready for this one. He's had kind of a quiet season, to be honest with you. I mean, there's certainly been some sack numbers, but I think from a pressure standpoint, it's been down. I, I think the Colts would like it to be a little bit higher, again, considering that that defensive tackle pairing I talked about earlier is a really, really good group. So 
Um, I would think he'd have this one circled on the calendar, similar to Jacksonville earlier in the year for him. Um, but I think going back there and the fact that the McDaniels brass, you know, felt like he was tradable. Uh, I would assume this one ranks pretty high for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm assuming that uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to be a go for Saturday or Sunday, I mean. Yeah, it, it looks like he's going to practice all three days, but this is a guy that's kind of been a little iffy with his ankle for the past month or so. So um, I would assume, but I'm not going to guarantee that, again, just because it's been a little up and down with this. He tweaked it a couple weeks ago. Um, so I I'm guessing, but again, 100% sure, just can't say that. Right. Well, we'll find out before game time for sure. Kevin Bowen, 107.5 The Fan uh, in Indy, talking all things Colts with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Kevin, you got anything coming out that uh, Raider fans should be on the lookout for, maybe to get a little bit more insight to the Colts? Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about Park Frazier, the new offense coordinator, again, 30 years old. It's a pretty wild story, so we got that up on 107.5thefan.com, so. I appreciate you letting me uh, plug that. No doubt, no doubt. Well, thanks for the time, my man. I appreciate you, and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. You bet. Thanks for having me, man. There he goes, Kevin Bowen right there, 107.5 The Fan. You can find him on Twitter at kbowen1070. And he's talked about Jonathan Taylor, and uh, he's been practicing. He did practice in full today. Matter of fact, the full injury report is out for both the Raiders and the Colts. We'll get to that next. Plus, we'll get to some more of your calls and texts, 69187, keyword R&R, and 702-365-9200. At what point in this season did you feel like, yep, this thing is getting away from the silver and black? Let us know about it. It's Raider Nation Radio, 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Up just about 3.30, we'll talk to A.J. Perez, front office sports. He'll update us on everything going on in D.C. with the Washington Commanders and the fact that Dan Snyder and everybody, <laughs> like Raider Fisher Berkeley saying them, <laughs> Dan Snyder and them, they're all uh, they all got a civil suit going on right now, and uh, you know I don't think it's any coincidence that that's going on. And Daniel Snyder talked about selling part of the team, selling all of the team. And again, at the end of the day, I think it still all comes down to and boils back down to John Gruden and those damn emails as well. So it all kind of all you know connects the dots at some point. So AJ Perez from Front Office Sports will join us uh, in a matter of minutes. Coming up here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Been throwing out the question, uh, when did you feel like the season was getting away from the silver and black when things were starting to, you know, get off the rails? You can hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. We found out earlier today about all the different transactions that the Raiders roster have made. And, man, it was a busy, busy day in Vegas. Hunter Renfro was put on IR. Darren Waller was put on IR. Linebacker Blake Martinez, who, oh, by the way, led the team in tackles uh, last week against the Jaguars, retired. They signed linebacker Curtis Bolton to the active roster from the practice squad. They signed linebacker Reggie Ragland to the practice squad. Uh, so those are all out there. Jacob Hollister was signed from the Vikings practice squad to the Raiders' uh, active roster, uh, even though that hasn't been officially announced by the Silver and Black. That's out there as well. So tons of moving and shaking, right? When you thought that, you know, everything was uh, what, what it was going to be and you kind of knew what everything was going to look like, all of a sudden they had a day like today when all kind of different shakeups happened. And, oh, by the way, earlier this week, uh, then Jonathan Abram was waived and the Packers picked him up and he, he never cleared waivers. They got him off waivers. Uh, he's in Green Bay. He actually met with the media today. And I'll, I'll say this about Jonathan Abram. I just saw one clip of him talking to the media, but, boy, he sure seemed like he was in a good place. Seemed like he was pretty happy, man. So I, all them teeth. 
Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't seen it's funny, Adam Hill quote tweeted the tweet and said, I haven't seen this guy. Who's this guy? I haven't seen him in about two years. Uh he seemed like he was just happy to obviously be picked up by another team and then of course he's playing with Keyshawn Nixon, who he said is one of his best friends. So uh good for John Abram, not mad at that at all. I'm uh, hoping the best hoping the best for one John Abram. Uh three one oh Raider hit us up on Twitter and said, Happy birthday, Marines. Don't forget our Warriors. No, not at all. Happy birthday to the Marines. Uh, we definitely appreciate uh, all the Marines. We appreciate all the armed forces. And, of course, tomorrow will be Veterans Day, and uh, some folks will be off work, and we will not. We'll be here. We'll be doing what we do, and uh, we'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings, as a matter of fact, at uh, West Flamingo and Wallapai. <laughs> I got it, Damon. I got it. Wallapai and, and uh, West Flamingo, right down the street from the radio station. That's where the show will be generated from, from 2 to 5 p.m. So make sure you come on by, hang out with us if you got an opportunity. I think Cassie Soto is going to make an appearance as well, if uh, if at all possible. So that'll be a lot of fun. But, yeah, never forget the, the armed forces, uh, any – any element of the armed forces, man. We definitely appreciate them each and every day. Uh, I say it all the time that they allow people like me, knuckleheads like myself and knuckleheads like Damon, to do what we do on the daily. So uh, thank you, 310 Raider, for that. Uh, we got a text from Jason in MD, Jason in Maryland. He said, I knew we were in trouble after the Titans game, but it was hammered home after the New Orleans game. Always thought that would be a tough game because the, they got dogs on defense, particularly the front seven. But to the texter from earlier, I hate this woulda, coulda, shoulda stuff. I still wouldn't trade Waller. He's hurt. It's football. People get hurt every single play. The overreaction by fans is super annoying. Some of the stuff the fans are saying is ridiculous, if not reckless. Shake my head. That kind of goes back to uh, your response as well, DeMond. And I'll say this. Uh, I know that people are frustrated with Waller in the hamstring injury. Nobody's talking about Keenan Allen and his hamstring injury. Keenan Allen's been out since week one. I mean, seriously, Keenan Allen's been out for the Chargers since week one. He got a hamstring injury in the game against the Raiders, and he's been out. And nobody, and I mean nobody, is talking about Keenan Allen and trade him and shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? It's like because it's closer to home, I get it. You know, and obviously it's, you know, no one's pulling for the Chargers listening to Raider Nation Radio 920, so no one's really thinking about it. But Keenan Allen's been out for a very long time, and obviously he's a huge weapon for that Chargers offense. He's been out with the same injury. So we all know hamstrings could be really, really tricky. We know uh, uh, hamstrings could be uh, lingering. And if, if you come back too soon, like Darren Waller said yesterday to Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, then all of a sudden you're in some big-time trouble. Let's go out to the phone lines, though, real quick and talk to our guy, Raider Mac. Welcome to the show, my man. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? What's up, Jamon? Hey, man. I, you know what? The game that, that really changed was, I, I have to agree, it has to be the, uh, the, the Titans game. Because we let um, we let that quarterback look like he was Joe Montana in the first half, and we tried to recover and we didn't. Uh, so that's the game. But um, and all these people that's getting on on Waller, they probably never played any kind of sports because hamstrings. You got to be careful with those. You yeah. you can't just rush back because if you come back too early, you end up pulling it again. So. That that that's ridiculous. We're, and and Keenan Allen, you brought up a great point, and, and nobody has said that. And you know why? Because we, you you when you lose it, everything comes to the surface. When you yeah, win it, true. it's things that don't don't show up. But um, one thing I do want to say about the about this game coming up, this coach game, we cannot let that young kid run run all over the place on him. I I have a friend that played for his his son played for the coach and. And he was saying that that kid is good, but he just all he does, he runs, he runs. Yeah. So we got to get a spy on him. 
Put your put your guy on him, number twenty five. Show me that you can play. Show me you can play. You got to make some changes too, Q. We have not made any changes. Change some people around. I didn't say change everybody. Yeah. I just said change some people to 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 change it. Because if you lose this game, because there's going to be national media at this game because of what 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 um who who um who took over this game. And the last thing, I, I'm glad you brought it. Um, what's her name brought it up? Amber. She yeah. brought it up. You know, we as, as a black community, all our black coaches get they just get washed away. Nothing against Jeff Saturday or anything like that, but that's ridiculous for you to hire Jeff Saturday. And for the Raiders, you better beat this guy. Not because of that, because the Raiders were the first one to hire a black coach in and a Hispanic coach in in Art Shell and Tom Flores. So we we need to win this game for us. But also show Ursat that that you, what you're doing is is not right. You you you're not doing the right thing. I mean, it's your team. You do whatever you want to do. But this game is a must win. The season, the season playoffs. I don't care about playoffs. Just leave on a good note. Finish the season on a good note. We, we that's where we're at right now. Thanks, Q. Hey, Thanks great call, me. great call, Raider Mac. Appreciate you, man. And yeah, uh, Amber Theo Harris, he, she brought the she brought the heat, man. I mean, if you missed the interview we had with her yesterday, it was fantastic, and she does a really good job on the Silver and Black Today Show on uh, on uh, with, on Raiders dot com and, and what they do there. She does great work on Sirius XM, and uh, she's on our show quite a bit, and she's really good. And she, you know, I asked her about the Jeff Saturday hiring, not knowing where she was going to go with it, and she paused. She, if you missed it, she paused and said. Hold on, I got to make sure I word this correctly. And she went to what Raider Mac just said, like, "Hey, you know what? Good for Jeff Saturday. Nothing against him personally, and that's and let's be clear about that. Nothing is a shot at Jeff Saturday. It's just that it's such a weird type hire, and it's just so strange that it just came out of really nowhere. Even though apparently Jim Irsay has been really trying to get uh, Saturday on the roster and trying to get him, uh, you know, on the sideline for a while, or or even even higher up, you know, even maybe part of the front office for a while uh, there with the with the Colts. But you know, she brought up a great point. There's guys that are out there grinding and grinding and grinding and all of a sudden getting overlooked for a job, and just some some guy and Jeff Saturday get ushered right in. It's like, damn. Wait a minute. So all this time, you know, you always say you put in the time and the reward will pay off. Well, this guy, like a Reggie Wayne, is putting in the time and he's not getting the reward. Or a guy like Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City is putting in the time and he's not getting rewarded. Or so many others, countless others. That, and, you know, and the NFL's talking about diversity. You know, they got a rule now. They got the Rooney rule, which I've always kind of said that, you know, there's so many ways to skirt around that. You don't. That really doesn't mean anything. Now they incentivize things. You know, you hire a, a black GM, you get draft picks. I mean, they're 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 handing out they're handing out rewards for for hiring minorities. And all of a sudden, Jim Irsay just goes and says, "Oh yeah, ski skirt." And here's this is what we're gonna do. And the hell with everything else. I thought the way Amber worded it was awesome. You know, I can't paraphrase every word she said, but it was awesome. And she was very passionate about it. And I really uh, appreciated that from Amber. I thought she did a great job with that. Thank you, Raider Mac, for that call, man. Good stuff. Keep those texts coming at 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, at what point of the season did you feel like it was getting away from the silver and black? Right now, uh, we're going to go out to the phone lines, though, and uh, we're going to turn our attention away from the silver and black. We're going to turn our attention to D.C., and we have our man A.J. Perez from Front Office Sports. He joins us now on the phone lines. And A.J., Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And I know the Raiders got some issues going on, but they got some issues going on 
on the field, right? They got some issues going on on the field, not off the field like it is in D.C. And right now the attorney general uh, has filed a civil lawsuit against Dan Snyder, against the commanders, just about everybody, man. The NFL and, and Roger Goodell. Uh, get us up to speed, man. Let us know what's going on. What's the latest and the greatest with this, uh, this civil suit against everybody there in D.C.? Yeah, we all kind of thought it was to be kind of financial related. You know, there's uh, the, the Federal Trade Commission received a letter from the House Oversight Committee that's been investigating the commanders for a very long time now, uh, since last since last October of 2021. Um, so we kind of fell with more of the you know holding holding money back from fans or or um, you know sweet holders and stuff. That wasn't it. It was actually this is all about the toxic workplace um, uh, allegations that started from the Washington Post stories more than two years ago that turned into multiple NFL investigations. And um, this was basically odd how Snyder took part in and also allegedly concealed um, the uh, his role and others and other people underneath them, their roles in, uh, you know, in the toxic workplace claims that that have got that encompass cheerleaders to other female employees of the team. Does this feel like uh, the, the reason or do you think that Daniel Snyder had an idea that this was rolling out? Why uh, we found out about the, the B of A interest or the interest that he had in potentially selling part of the team or or all of the team? This is uh, the, yeah, the timing is uh, the timing is, uh, you know, there, we, we didn't this was we knew that the, the attorneys general in D.C., Maryland and Virginia were investigating. Uh, that's one of six or seven investigations that are still going on against that are looking into this to Dan Snyder and the team. Um, this one kind of this one yesterday, we I have pretty much had it. It was almost a lock that it, that it was something a lawsuit related, civil related, because the AG in DC doesn't have prosecute. They can't really prosecute uh, for crimes for this kind of thing. They can prosecute juveniles. Dan said is not a juvenile, <laughs> so uh, but they do have a very wide uh, consumer protection law, and so pretty much anybody uh, when they, if you're doing business business with somebody in the in in DC when there are several fans still who are commanders fans here. Um, you know, that, that was the jurisdiction they used. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is, uh, the timing is, you're right. But eight days ago the you know, Snyder said that he's exploring a sale or exploring some kind of thing. It's probably everybody I talked to thinks it'd be a full sale. It seemed if not 90% or something of it. Um, and you know, everybody's lining up, you see every celebrity, but Lady Gaga linked to buying the team next. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, that the, 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 the time is interesting. Also the attorney general, yeah, he's, he's leaving office. Uh, he, there's a new attorney general coming in, mm. um, in 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 January who's going to take over this investigation. This has been going on for over for for about a year, so maybe a little more than a year. This this particular in. in uh, this investigation here. So that's interesting right there. So, I mean, we just got wrapped up with political season, even though it's not really wrapped up yet. It's just still kind of uh, in the wind. But uh, it, it seems like it's all AJ kind of intertwined with each other. It's got the AG on the way out the office. It's got Daniel Snyder. It's I mean, it's got the NFL and, and Roger Goodell. Why Why do you think uh, NFL and Roger Goodell were included in this civil suit? Oh, it's because they're, it, you know, they, they were the ones that hired the first investigator, Beth Wilkinson, who's a mm. former... Um, uh, federal prosecutor, and she was the one that that um, that where the, that investigation lasted many months. It ended July 2021. The team was fined 10 million dollars. Several uh, guidelines were suggested, and the teams impl- implemented all of them, if not most, if not all of them. Since then, um, to improve you know, the you know the uh, working environment, especially for female employees. So, uh, and uh, they've done all that. And, you know, Jason Wright, they've hired a lot as team president and a bunch of other hires to totally remake the front office. Um, so this was, uh, so, you know, this was all kind of, uh, you know, all part of this whole remake of the team. And it, that didn't save Snyder. Obviously there's, 
you know, the, the more issues, you know, obviously what Ursay said a month ago, you know, that it kind of really kind of, you know, everything is kind of snowballing at this point uh, to the point where him selling last week, where five years ago, that would have been a shocker. Even a year ago, that would have been a shocker. Now it's not. I mean, there's just so much noise. And now with the pressure from the other owners, you know, there's a lot of things moving right now. Talking all things uh, going on in D.C. right now with the Washington Commanders with A.J. Perez here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So uh, let me ask you this, because all of Raider Nation wants to know, with all this going on with the civil suit and, and you know, all the, the reasoning why this civil suit is going on, how much of that could potentially have to do with uh, the emails that got leaked out with yes. uh, with John Gruden as well? Yeah, this basically, this investigation we found out today started right about the same time those e- right after those emails came out. And I, those emails caused a lot, beyond getting uh, Gruden fired uh, or, or kind of forced to resign, I right. should say. Or, yeah. You know. uh, yeah, but the guy, you know, he had no, basically had no choice. Right. Uh, you know, that, you know, and, th- and those emails, you know, we still don't know the source. You know, there's a lot of speculation. Uh, they, in Gruden's lawsuit, he feels it was Roger Goodell or somebody at the NFL front office doing it. You know, there's been speculation here in D.C. that it was Snyder since he had access to those emails as well. Uh, you know, there's that we still that's we're going to be that's still a, bit, a, a major part of it. If uh, if that Gruden lawsuit, which I've been following and pr- very, very closely, uh, you know, if they do get to discovery and there is some smoking gun where it came from the NFL, that's going to be major. That That's going to be one of the biggest, uh, you know, the St. Louis lawsuit last year settled for several hundred million dollars. Um, and but, you know, this is not about money. I don't think Gruden's looking for, you know, Gruden got him. He, he didn't get all of that, you know, 10 10 year contract back. But you know, he got a decent settlement. So I think he's looking for the truth there and who, how those emails that were, that came, that, that were somewhere about a decade old that came while he was at the ESPN. You know, that's, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be a major headache for, for the NFL. Um, you know, they're going to, they're appealing the decision by the, by the judge not to move the case into arbitration right now. Uh, but if this moves forward, if that case moves forward, that could be another, you know, much, probably a bigger headache, much bigger headache than, uh, than this this particular lawsuit right now. Jeez, man, this is a lot of uh, legalities going on with uh, Daniel Snyder, with, uh, with the commanders, with uh, John Gruden, the NFL. Man, I'm sure the NFL is looking like, man, we just want to talk about the football game. <laughs> we just want to talk about what's going on on the field. So what's next in this uh, this uh, civil suit with the attorney general against everyone that he's uh, you know filing the civil suit against? What is the next step? Uh, this is going to take a t- some, some, some time. There's going to be... Uh, there's going to, you know, before they get to the two, they're going to, the NFL is going to move to dismiss the case. I'm mm-hmm. sure so will everybody else involved, um, uh, including, including Dan Snyder's attorneys and the commanders. Um, you know, they, their statement basically is follows minus mentioning a, didn't mention a player this time, like they did last night for that, for, uh, right. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the last statement last night. But it was a, they're, they're going to go hard. And even if Snyder, you know, this is not, this is going to stick to Snyder. And there's ways in, you know, the team, you know, there's a way to, there's a way that's not going to derail the sale. Um, but it's, there's an, it's not allowed to either put money inside an escrow or figure out another legal remedy to take care of this litigation, um, before he sells off to Be- Bezos or somebody else. Um, but there's going to, there's going to be motions to dismiss, uh, and everything else. That's going to be the next step from everybody. And, uh, and if, if, uh, the, the judge there in DC allows it to stand, then we'll, you know, there'll be other a lot of other hearings. It's this is going to take several, several, many months, if not a over, well over a year. AJ Perez is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty, and you mentioned it. The other player that was uh, mentioned uh, just on Wednesday night by Daniel Snyder and the Commanders talking about Brian Robinson getting shot. What did you think of that move? I mean, what 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 kind of move to to deflect or try to hide behind uh, something as terrible as a player getting shot or anybody getting shot? Was that by uh, the the Commanders or at least Daniel Snyder? 
Yeah, Robinson's agent really called him out for it, and good for him. It was it was bringing bringing him into it is just because, like I said, this attorney general, you know, doesn't you know does does prosecute juveniles, and there were there was at least one juvenile involved in in the shooting of Robinson. Uh, but you know, it's kind of you know you just. How, this is your fan base. Right. The, the team was based here. The team wants to get back into DC. Uh, they want to get to the RFK site. You know, just it was a just an awful PR move. And his lawyers are very, very aggressive. They got more aggressive. There's no, and he keeps hiring more aggressive lawyers. So uh, I wasn't. I mean, I, I would part of me was shocked, and it. it, it just, I mean, I'm kind of numb to it because I saw it when I was going to play softball last night. I'm like, I get this in my story. Then I'm like, I put it in my story. I, I left. I, then I came back, and I'm like, I saw what the what the agent said. I'm like, yeah, you're right. This is. I'm kind of numb to it now because right. the lawyers are very, very aggressive. Everybody's lying. Everybody's out to get Snyder. You know, you're kind of used to that. But yeah, bringing up a player, that was just kind of bad for him. Yeah, it was. It, it, it looked terrible. It was, uh, again, a bad PR move and uh, something that they definitely shouldn't have done. So as far as as far as far Snyder goes and his, his stay in the NFL and his ownership of the team and all that that goes into it, is it almost the inevitable as far as you're concerned that, that, that he's going to be out and he's going to eventually get this, this sell done uh, completely of the team? Yeah, the owners have, have, you know, I've talked to more people since, you know, what Ursay said, and the owners haven't changed their minds. They still, they, well, they, they still don't want to vote him out. It takes 24 votes to remove an owner. It's never happened. But I think Snyder realizes that, you know, there's really no path forward mm-hmm. at this point, you know, that he'll be shut out and he kind of, you know, he'll be ostracized from all the other NFL owners. And, you know, you, you don't want to be that owner. You don't want to be that owner who no one wants to talk to or deal with. And, you know, while you can keep your team and team can keep making money, you know, he can't get a stadium here. There's just way too much. This and this is today. What happened with the DC Attorney General is not going to help. No, it really isn't. It's going to be interesting, man. It's some crazy times, like you said. You're pretty numb to it with everything going on uh, <laughs> around the team, which is a, a shame to say, but it's the reality of uh, of what's going on there in DC with the Washington Commanders. Well, AJ, fantastic stuff. What do you got coming out on front office sports that we should be on the lookout for? Kind of keeping us up to date on everything going on. Well, possibly another Favre story. Um, yeah, the, oh, the, they're, <laughs> so, yeah, they're they're the lawyers are trying to uh, you know the lawyers are uh, you know working with another outlet to try to uh, disperse my uh, my reporting on this. So I may have to file another one. But uh, this weekend, Saturday, uh, subscribe to our newsletter for NoffitSports.com. I do uh, kind of a really in depth look at uh, since I know you know this is a yeah, big MMA audience. I do an in depth look at how MMA fighters. Uh, there's a new way for them to get into the country uh, with the. Uh, uh, through the immigration process. It kind of sa- sounds boring, but it actually is pretty interesting. Nice. Well, my guy, Damon, who's uh, the host of the fight game, he's definitely all over that. We're excited about that. Of course, UFC, MMA, all that's going on here in Vegas quite a bit. So, AJ, fantastic stuff, man. You're uh, you're our guy on top of everything that's everything, right? And so uh, great work on everything that you're doing. We appreciate your time this afternoon. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk soon. Great. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. No doubt. There he goes. A.J. Perez, front office sports right there, talking all things going on in D.C. And boy, oh boy, there's a lot going on in D.C. Uh, I'll say the one thing, and I don't want to jinx anything, but man, I'm glad that uh, we ain't talking about a whole bunch of off-the-field stuff, right? A whole bunch of off-the-field garbage. Uh, that's all going on in D.C. I can only imagine what their sports radio stations are sounding like, especially right now, knowing that the civil lawsuit is fire- filed against everybody. Everybody. I'm talking Roger Goodell. I'm talking the NFL, Daniel Snyder, the commanders. Who's next? It's almost like Oprah's handing out civil suits. You get a civil suit. You get a civil suit. You get a civil suit. That's what's going on. That's what the attorney general uh, did. And oh, by the way, DeMond, he's on his way out of office, too. So there you go. So, hey, I'm going to file the civil suit, and the next cat's going to pick it up. I mean, just the last thing I do. What the hell's going on? 3.44 is the time. We'll come back, close out hour number two. Don't forget, Lincoln Kennedy will join the show at the top of the hour. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.
Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Got the injury report for the Raiders and the Colts for Thursday. We'll get another one tomorrow. Find out who's in and who's out 90 minutes before kickoff on Sunday. Looking at the Raiders, Darian Butler dealing with the hip injury. That's linebacker Darian Butler. Was limited Wednesday, limited on Thursday. Also limited today, Denzel Perriman dealing with the hip and ribs injury. Everyone else looks pretty good. Well, for the most part. Derek Carr, full participant, dealing with the the, uh, back injury. Wide receiver Keelan Cole, dealing with the knee injury, was limited on Wednesday, full participant on Thursday. Um, Blake Martinez, linebacker Blake Martinez, who was out Wednesday because, well, personal, he retired today, so he's out. Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller both have been put on IR, so they're out at least four weeks. So we'll see what happens when they come back, if they come back. Uh, For the Colts, Thursday. Cornerback Tony Brown, dealing with the hamstring injury, didn't participate on Wednesday, was limited Thursday. Stephon Gilmore was resting on Wednesday, full participant today. Uh, let's see, Deion Jackson with the running, the running back, the knee injury, didn't participate Wednesday, did not participate on Thursday. Uh, Rodney McLeod, uh, the safety, full participant. Unique Ngakwe, full participant. Quarterback Matt Ryan, full participant. Center Ryan Kelly, dealing with the knee injury, full participant. Linebacker Grant Stewart, peck injury, limited. Limited on Wednesday, limited on Thursday. Jonathan Taylor, dealing with the ankle injury, limited on Wednesday, full participant on Thursday. I'm not a genius and I'm not a doctor, but I'll have to, uh, I have a pretty good feeling he's going to be playing come Sunday. Uh, linebacker Shaq Leonard, back ankle, not listed on Wednesday, did not participate on Thursday. So that's interesting. And then uh, Grover Stewart, the defensive tackle, a big-time defensive tackle, rested, wasn't listed on Wednesday, did not participate today, but that was a, a veteran rest day. So those are the that's the injury report, and we'll get another one tomorrow afternoon. We'll probably get an idea of who's in and out, and uh, and we might get a couple of in and outs for, uh, for the Colts as well. But officially we'll get the actives and inactives come Sunday around, uh, I don't know, like I said, 90 minutes before kickoff. Got a couple texts uh, from the 925 talking about when they felt the season was starting to get away. After the Jaguars game, that's when the players were calling out players and coaches. Um, and when I don't know. We talked about this when it came to Devontae Adams. So I'm assuming that that's what this uh, – I'm assuming what this text means is when you're talking about players calling out coaches and, and Devontae Adams talking about sticking with – uh, you know, the the passing game and what was working earlier and that, that you know, the team should have kept doing that. I mentioned it the other day after when we played that, that eight-minute or nine-minute media session with Devontae. I didn't really feel like it was him calling out the coaches. I just felt like it was him just sharing an opinion, and that's okay. I think that that's, that's – I think there's a difference, right? I mean, I don't think that he was trying to put the coaches on blast. And as he said, you know, this is nothing that, that I haven't said to them or I won't say to them and – not trying to put any extra spice on it. I don't, I don't think, and DeMond, we talked about it uh, on the show. Did you feel like, and you heard it, you heard all nine minutes of it, did you feel like he was calling out Josh McDaniels? It's not so much that he's calling him out, but it's bringing it to light, where he's voicing those frustrations. So if you want to consider it a call-out, then yes, I, that's how you want to take it. I just it. feel like that that's putting extras on it. it didn't yeah, feel like, like it you was, said, no you know, need to make it any spicier than it needs to be. Saying call-out, yes, that's making it spicy. But yes, is he calling to attention that he didn't agree with some of the play calling yes right and I think that that's fair you know if you don't agree with something I think that that's fair to to speak on it I mean that's healthy it's just like when I didn't agree that the 
that the Raiders went for two in the Chiefs game. I thought that that was a bad decision. I still think it's a bad decision. I don't give a damn what the analytics say. I don't give a damn what anybody who says that was a genius play. I I will tell you that my feeling is that it was a bad call. I think they should have kicked the extra point and gone with four minutes left and see what happened. But, again, that's just me. It's just my opinion. And yours could be different, and that's cool too, right? But it's, it's not me calling out the coach to be like, oh, man, coach did it. No, it's just I just share a different opinion than he had. And the only thing that matters is his opinion. My my opinion don't matter, right? I mean, he's the guy that's calling the shots, not me. So uh, that's all that matters. Also from the 925, and this is talking about Jeff Saturday. Ursay hired him because he trusts him to filter out the good and the bad. He won't be the coach next year. Do we for sure know the interim head coaching job wasn't offered to anyone else? And you're most likely right. He most likely, talking about Jeff Saturday, probably won't be the coach next year. But he's got an eight-game tryout. You tell me Eric Bieniemy wouldn't like an eight-game tryout? You tell me that Reggie Wayne wouldn't like an eight-game tryout? Go ahead, Demond. When they say, oh, he's got to separate the good from the bad, what is Jeff Saturday, what has he done to evaluate talent? What are those other coaches on the staff, John Fox, who took a team to a Super Bowl, what do you, What can he, Jeff Saturday do? I don't know. It's just, it's, it just keeps great, ticking no, me off. That's a great point. Because like, oh, like, a lot of people have said that. Like, oh, he's just going to evaluate the talent. Tell Jim Ursay what's what. Is no one else telling Jim Ursay what's what? Like, I know coaches want to keep their job, but Jim Ursay can see it. Hey, if this receiver's got like, you know, three drops per game, you can see, or the Chris Ballard will be able to see, hey, we got to get rid of that guy. He can't catch. That guy can't tackle. I don't. Jeff Saturday isn't looking at football with a new set of eyes that no one else has before in the game. I mean, think about it. I mean, Rich Basaccia, he was the interim coach last year for the Raiders. At least he had coaching experience, and a lot of it, before he got the interim tag. This guy's got none, so I'm with you, DeMond, right? You, you could say that he's there to evaluate talent. One, what says he's a talent evaluator? Two, what you know? What you tell me that the rest of the coaches that are there and have been in the trenches since training camp, since preseason, couldn't tell you who the good players were and who the weren't, the 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 bad ones were, right? I mean, you tell me Gus Bradley couldn't say, yeah, those guys they didn't really operate like a, a NFL team. Look, Gus Bradley, I know he didn't he didn't succeed as a head coach at the end in Jacksonville, but he did some pretty good things in Jacksonville, and he's been a head coach and he's been a coach multiple times. John Fox, like you said, took a team to a Super Bowl. So I think that they're just as qualified. Actually, I think they're a little bit more qualified than one Jeff Saturday to talent evaluate. And as far as uh, do we know for sure the interim coach wasn't offered to anyone else, Jeff Saturday got called during the Patriot game on Sunday. The owner called him during the game. So I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but call me during the game before you've actually even fired the coach that's the coach right there, I think, you know, the writing's pretty much on the wall that he was going to get that job and that he got that job. I'm sure it wasn't offered to somebody else. But even if it was offered to someone else, the point is the guy is getting eight games of experience under his belt being the head coach. The head coach. There's plenty of coaches that have been in the league forever. I don't even remember what the Texans' last coach was named. Remember what his name was? He came from Baltimore, uh, but he was well-respected in the league, and he was like a defensive-minded guy. Cully, David Cully, I'm sorry. He was, he was a guy that had been around the league forever and finally got an opportunity. You know what he got? He got 17 games and was out the door. And to mention the Texans, guess what? They wanted to hire Josh McCown, and the rest of the league was basically like, hey, y'all are not about to hire right. Josh McCown with no experience. And the Colts were able to circumvent that by, hey, it's only an interim job. Exactly, exactly. So let's not, I mean, look, 
if you don't mind that Jeff Saturday got the job, just say you don't mind. But let's not throw some BS out there. Well, what about this? What? Come on, man. Give me a break. And, and look, if you want to take color out of it, take color out of it. Have you ever been in a job and all of a sudden some cat out of nowhere got an opportunity to be the big dog and you've been grinding and busting your ass off for all this time? Have you ever, have you ever felt a little salty about that? I have. I'll be the first to tell you I've been salty about that. So don't get, I mean, don't, don't hit us with that BS. Like, if you don't mind, just say you don't mind. Say it doesn't bother you. Say you don't care. That's fine. But let's not try to, let's not try to sugarcoat anything or candy coat anything. Come on, man. Be real. 3.56 is the time. Lincoln Kennedy joins us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.